0: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, not my the
1: no the views way. and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Revolution comes with a price tag. Good evening and welcome to Political Prisoner Radio. My name is Scotty Reed, of course, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Of course, I'm joined by my comrade, Amija Whitlock. How are you tonight, sis? Scotty, I'm so
2: proud of my city as somebody born and raised here in Baltimore. Um, I just woke up just completely, you know, inspired by, you know, the movement and Sandtown-Winchester community community here in Baltimore. Um, um, I, I really, I mean, there's so much stuff that I could say about what happened yesterday.
1: Well, we certainly want to hear about what's going on up there in Baltimore, and for the listeners that do not know, uh, sister Amija works, lives and, uh, struggles in the city of, of Baltimore. And we're certainly proud of you, sis and, and everyone up there in Baltimore that is part of the resistance to police terrorism. And you know, like, like you mentioned to me before we came on area, there is a lot to talk about there. And you know, this is all in the spirit of struggle that, you know, the reason we put this show together is to highlight political prisoners uh, who are in prison for daring to struggle against this corrupt evil system.
2: Absolutely. And um, it was very you know, it was interesting um, yesterday that also in the middle of um, the protest and everything, we had already organized an event for political prisoner Russell Maroon Schultz. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that um, adjoining Solidarity event was taking place for, you know, folks who, you know, had children and didn't want to bring their children to the protest or, you know, some people who just, you know, protest protested may not be their thing or, right. you know, uh, they have a different perspective. So, you know, that was another way for people to, you know, engage in movement and re- and still be a part of
1: something right you unity get in where you fit in like like you said some right. people are will are not willing to go as far in struggle as others are uh but the key right. thing is is that we remain unified in our opposition and those who are against the righteous rebellions they will show their faces they they will make themselves known as we have seen time and time again
2: Right, right. I mean, exactly. Um, we had some really dedicated folks out there um, in the streets yesterday. Uh, my main focus was to make sure that, you know, the protesters were legally protected as well as we had, uh, you know, medical support on the ground and, um, you know, spokespersons persons in our own media. Um, we had, I mean, I just gave shout outs on my Facebook page to uh three people who are very um important to us and were very essential um on the front line yesterday and, and, and
1: we uh, and i just want to mention we certainly appreciate um the use of social media so that we can get reports from the people themselves and not through the filter a mainstream media, because of course we know that that is really state sponsored propaganda, you know corporate right. propaganda, and so uh, you know, I do want to give a shout out to Christopher Irvin because I think he has also been one of those uh people in Baltimore who have been providing us with not only critical information out of Baltimore but with the right perspective
2: right, exactly, and media is media is key. Uh, because there have been a lot of Narratives over the last Couple of days that of course Definitely Rollins-Blake and the Current Commissioner here um, Anthony Batts. Um Stephanie The mayor she's received a lot of Criticism um, some people Within the uh, uh, Faith community have called For um, Anthony Batts Resignation but Beyond that I think that people do not understand um Bats's history. Mm-hmm. Um Bats actually has a long history of domestic violence with his partners as well as he has blood on his hands from coast to coast. He was actually the commissioner out in Oakland when Oscar Grant was killed. Mm-hmm. So um I know that Mark Lamont Hill um had made mention of that on um Huffington Post or something that he had said and I'm like, you know, yes, we're very, very aware of anthony Bat and you know who he is and all the blood that's on his hands from long beach to oakland and now here in baltimore and it's just you know it's so telling and one of uh his his um I guess one of his public statements he said that he was brought here to baltimore you know to reform the department and i'm mm. like well <laughs> well do we do we not do background checks here You know, how can he call himself reforming this department when we hired him right out of the Oakland, right out of Oakland is where he came from. You know, it's kind of like that old expression, like you go in the kitchen and flick on the light and the roaches run, Mm -hmm. you know. um, And that's what happens with a lot of these police, you know, that that are violent, have blood on their hands. They leave one area and go right somewhere else.
1: And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, that's true, and, and I've even pointed that out in terms of the president's choice for the uh, chair of the uh, 21st Century Policing Task Force that the president put together in the wake of Ferguson, and um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the current commissioner at Philadelphia, and he has a long history, going all the way back to the Chicago Police Department when they murdered Fred Hampton. Jr. who Mm -hmm. we just heard you know speaking in the opening you know song for the program and and so and another thing that I think Baltimore is really highlighting is the role of proxy racism in a system uh, built on racism and white supremacy because you got all of these black faces who are the face of oppression in Baltimore and and, and that is a deliberate um, tactic by the system to showcase black people as neely fuller would say to to make you think that black people are making progress but it's still the same system and and the way i view politicians and people in positions of power and i'm talking about non-white people uh, it is that is the only time i use the phrase i don't see color when we're talking about politicians, when we're talking about, you know, agents of the state, I don't see color. Well, I do see color. I see three colors, red, white, and blue. I don't even classify them as black people. I call them Americans.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, people are talking about Stephanie and the commissioner, um, but out of the equation, and this is something that uh, Chris had pointed out um, on the fact that this is one of the issues that uh, Rosa Clemente, uh, former um,
0: Green vice, Party candidate. Uh, presidential
2: candidate, mm-hmm. yes. She had mentioned this on her Facebook page about, you know, Stephanie and um, Commissioner Betts. But Chris had brought up the issue of um, Marilyn Mosby uh, being out of the equation. And Marilyn is our new um, city state's attorney. And she ran on, you know, a campaign of trying to get rid of the former um, state attorney um, who was very friendly um, and, and cozy with the police and had been a, a former, uh, you know, paid attorney on the FOP uh, payroll. And there were several scandals while he was in office. Uh, of course, he never prosecuted um, any of the police for, for murdering anyone in Baltimore um, over the last uh, five years that, that he had been in office or more. And um, there was a scandal where... Uh, an officer who had a history, uh, the same officer who killed uh, a young man by the name of Larry Hubbard in 1999, officer named Robert Quick. Uh, Robert Quick was caught um, stealing time. And um, Bernstein, who was the state's attorney, um, had also been Robert Quick's attorney when he was on, when he was paid by the FOP to represent the police. So that became, you know, a serious quagmire you know, um, and one of the, the reasons why, um, you know, Marilyn Mosby came in to uh, unseat him um, as the incumbent uh, state's attorney. So there were a lot of people who were supportive of Marilyn, but she's been completely absent um, in this whole process. Uh, completely silent, um, even during the press conferences and and everything. Recently, it's just been all Stephanie rollins Blake and and that. And you know, the question is, you know, when will she say something? And will she not say anything until next Friday? When you know, there. Well, yeah, this Friday, May first. When they claim that their investigation will be done, well, there's supposedly three pending investigations, but the the police claim that next Friday, um, they they will um, present their findings. What mm-hmm. we already see in the media, what they're saying, you know, um, and and it's not going to change. You know, their attitude is basically trying to say, "Well, it was an accident. We didn't follow policy. Oops," you know. Um, and, and yeah, I think and trying to exactly play like he
1: w- he was not injured when he was put in there. He was injured from the time right. they tackled him. You know, the, the guy who exactly. shot some of the video said they had him bent up like origami, you know, had his right. had his heels right. to his back. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And see, part of, part of the issue here is that, you know, this gives down into media play, media spin, and, you know, all the lies and things that, you know, are, are being told. Um, Even about, you know, who organized what yesterday and what all the messages were, you know, um, lots of different people are trying to uh, co-opt and, you know, media whore to slant the messages into respectability politics and uh, Mm -hmm. and a whole host of other bullshit. So there's a lot of media spin, and they're doing the best that they can in the local news to, you know, repress, um, you know, the resistance and the rebellion and to um not highlight you know some of the amazing work and things that you know has has happened over the last 9 days um i was contacted by um a, a group of uh, social workers um that are from the Zealand and ironically they asked me they're like you know well do you think that we can come out and do you know trauma counseling what do you think and i was like wait a minute i was <laughs> like you know every day for the last 9 days I've seen people in the Sandtown Winchester community be able to walk up, you know, to police officers, you know, at these barricades, scream, holler, cuss, cry, get on their knees and pray, take a breath and be able to walk away and feel empowered. You know, what What more, you know, um, would anybody, you know, think that they could do other than somebody empowering themselves, you know, to be able to do that? And, and it feels strong and it feels safe in numbers that, that you could do that and exercise your rights to say, you know, whatever you want out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I know that we have a young lady here who is a, uh, debate champion and she actually made, um uh, one of the police officers cry and that police officer asked her supervisor could she get out of line and be removed from the line. Cause that's how, you know, much some of, you know, the, these folks are, you know, really eating eating people up. Like, you know, you're on the wrong side, you know. Most definitely. Um, So it's just the fact that somebody would call me and ask me, oh, how can we do trauma counseling? Um, No. Like, you need to fix your stale, you know, your stale medical model of how you think, you know, people need to address this situation. If somebody's kicking your ass and killing your people, the fact that you can go out there and scream and holler and pray you know, and and say something to your attackers and 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 people that are committing genocide. That's mm-hmm. empowering.
0: You right, know, right. why would you
2: want it to be anything different than that? Right. You know, and and the fact that people can feel like they could fight back.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, before we go further, I do want to let the listeners know tonight is uh, like an open forum. We don't have any guests scheduled for tonight, so if you would like to express yourself, of course, there's the conference line five three zero eight eight one. 1400, the access code is 549032pound. Uh, for those who I've already dialed in, once you're in, just hit star six in the one to come in on air. I will also take calls at 704-951-5030. Again, that is 704-951-503. Zero. This is only an hour-long program, so please don't wait to the last minute to call in if you would like to uh, make your voice heard. And and to and to your point about feeling empowered, and you know, I want to address some things that I've been seeing coming out. You know, I talked to you via social media. Um, about what I had been hearing about this cop being injured. Now, then I, um, took a glimpse at CNN. They were talking about six cops injured. And then, of course, we know, um, the tactic is being used by officials to try to divide the supporters by saying, I mean, the demonstrators by acting like you, you got good protesters, you got bad protesters, you know, ch- <laughs> trying to, you know, right. trying to play on the, um, the um destruction of a so called uh-huh. of a 711 i heard a 711 got destroyed and then i also saw the video of uh, of a couple of a few um uh, individuals destroying police cars and so mm-hmm. i i'm like you know what I feel exactly where they coming from. If I was there, too, I probably would have thrown some bricks in my damn cell because that is <laughs> empowering. Yeah. And, and and then mm-hmm. think about the psychology, the psychological games that's played on us. And, and I just want to share a Facebook post that, that I wrote as I thought about this. And I want people to think about this. And if you think I'm wrong, then, you know, call me on it. Give us a call and express yourself. But I wrote this about an hour ago whenever the usa is attacked and even when it isn't it bombs and destroys the infrastructure of entire nations and kills its inhabitants unmercifully yet the black community has been suffering from state-sponsored terrorism on this continent since before the usa Inc. came into existence yet let a store get burned down or a few police cars smash, and everyone wants to act like they have destroyed the entire damn city or killed all its inhabitants. Get some perspective and quit being hypocrites. And that's the way I see it. That's the way I see right. it. We Even when they were commenting on the stores getting burned down in Ferguson and, and, and whatnot. But I'm like, well, how does the United States respond to attacks and even non-attacks? Because we just, right. you know, the latest country they destroyed was Libya. Libya didn't right. attack the United States. It was actually a official ally of the United mm-hmm. States and they bombed that entire country and the death toll is still rising you know uh what we're four years later you know the mm-hmm. death toll is still rising so you know don't talk to me about people out of remain nonviolent. I mean to me that is a mental sickness right there the appropriate response to violence and terrorism is violence and self-defense right right and I mean
2: that's always going to be a common tactic and of course you know the next playbook is to trot out one of the family members and say keep the peace please you know respect our family this is what we want you know and that kind of stuff it just really breaks my heart and rips my heart out because you know it's a damn lie you know that's not the fact what the families really want to say out of their mouth you know but they're in such grief And in such pain and have so many microphones being shoved in their face and people knocking on their doors and blowing up their phones. And whispering in their ears. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, trying to, like, guide them and tell them what to do. And, of course, you know, most of these families never had, you know, um, an opinion about the police or, you know, or were activists themselves. So, I mean, they're you know, thrown into this and completely traumatized. You know, by the terrorism and the genocide. And you know, oftentimes those that you know come around are you know the Al Sharpton kind of types that you know want to uh, grandstand and, and do certain things. And you know, evidently we've got a um, you know new Al Sharptonist individual here in Baltimore. In, yeah, Chris in the form was of talking about him. Riot.
1: Yeah, Chris was yeah, writing Bryant. about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Please right. continue. So, I, I didn't mean, mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no. I was going to say that. Uh, Jabal Bryant actually uh parachuted uh onto the ground um in Ferguson, and 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 I don't mean actually jumping out of a plane, but you know I just mean you know jumping his you know self in the middle of, of Ferguson, trailing behind um Al Sharpton, who was also shoved out of Ferguson uh Jesse Jackson, all of them, you know, were, were shoved out of Ferguson. And, um, you know, we haven't seen, you know, Al, Al horn around down here, but I, I've seen him say certain things um in, in the media and all that and references to Baltimore. But Jesse's been down here, and uh, it seems like, you know, Jamal Bryant is trying to play, you know, the Al Sharpton role down here. And um, it's disgusting because when he was in Ferguson, you know, he was like, you know, oh, I didn't know this kind of stuff happens in Baltimore. And I'm like, uh, have you had your head under a rocker? Have you just been busy not being right, loyal?
1: Right, because I don't um, even live in Baltimore. And I know just from paying attention to this issue. And, and reading right. the news that comes out i mean the baltimore right. i believe it's the baltimore sun i believe has done a great job in exposing the police corruption and all the lawsuits that they have settled out of court without prosecutions right. of the actual you know uh, uh uh perpetrators of the crimes that they settle in the cases for so so I, uh, like you said right. where, where have you so been back
2: to Right, and that goes back to what you were saying. You know, for the listeners, is that uh, Baltimore Sun did an expose several months ago um, that proved that Baltimore City was uh, had paid um, close to seven million dollars um, in lawsuits for people who were uh, beaten and, and and brutalized and properties destroyed. And this does not include people of families who have had loved ones that were assassinated. This is just people that were, you know, everyday average people just, you know, hunted down and and beaten, you know, in the middle of the street. And we did, and and even beyond that, um, when somebody in Baltimore City um, is given a settlement, there is disclosure statements that they have to sign um, that makes it so they can't share their story publicly right so if a police officer you know beat me down around the corner and i'm your neighbor i can't even share with you my story to help you say hey watch out you know that's the cop that beat me or in. And testify for you in a lawsuit
1: right. Mm-hmm.
2: right right well there was a situation there was a woman who was actually um she shared her story in that newspaper article and the city withheld $30,000 out of her settlement.
1: Mm-mm-mm. See? See how and they That do.
2: was, yeah, and we even had a piece of legislation in Annapolis to um, deal with this, with the issue of uh, settlement disclosure. And I don't think that that passed either. And that's been another issue because everybody's like, oh, well, why don't you do it like this? And why don't Baltimore people do it like that? And I'm like, well, if you listen to what the real people and the grassroots folks here are doing regarding activism, we tried it their way. You know what I'm saying, like you know twenty five bills during the the legislative session that that didn't pass
0: Mm-mm-mm.
2: I mean which I mean when you've exhausted every you know nonviolent means of getting your point across to adjust the issue, you know there there is no other way to do it than to you know respond fire with fire.
1: And uh, you know, I hate to quote US presidents, but I, I believe John F. Kennedy said something to the effect that those who who make um nonviolent change impossible only bring about the in uh 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 only bring about violent revolution or something to that effect but yeah that Mm -hmm. you know exactly what you're talking about you know you're told to do it this way this is the right way to do things this is the process and you know Christopher Irvin I've interviewed him a number of times in in the hard work that he puts in you know up there in in Annapolis and talking to these politicians and and trying to get bills passed and the last time I talked to him you know he was just so disappointed because you know one of the bills did with police brutality actually wasn't going to address anything and and get the people was getting behind it you know they got some some pe- some black faces to get behind that legislation I'm sorry I can't remember the exact name of of the piece of legislation that he was talking about. Now, I want to ask you another question since we're about 5 minutes before mm-hmm. our, our our only break of the program. Again, this program is only an hour long. If you would like to make a comment or ask a question, uh please give us a call 704-951-5030. Again, that is 704-951-5030. If you have called into the conference line, you have to hit star 6 and then the number one, and that'll put you into the caller's queue, and I will know um that you want to speak, otherwise I'll assume that you are just uh listening but I was reading um another article today. No, no, it wasn't an article. I seen former uh Black Panther party party member and uh former political prisoner Eddie Conway on the Real News Network, uh you know, which they got a YouTube channel. And he was talking about how they had went to that community that you spoke of and and where this killing went down, uh Freddie Gray and he said that they went out there and they were talking to the people hoping to build a relationship with the people and and how they were telling them like just how oppressed they are to the point that hell you can't even sit on your own stairs or your own house yes. without the police yes. harassing you is there any truth to that
2: yes yes and and that's been um you know my biggest concern you know uh since uh the the death of Freddie Gray And, you know, coming to the community, I've been there, you know, almost every day for the last nine days, sometimes till 1 o'clock in the morning, just listening, you know, to the stories. you know, of the men and the women and the youth in that neighborhood, you know, who are saying just how oppressive, you know, this Western police district is. You know, some of the women, you know, have been commenting about, you know, how they see, you know, the men being, you know, attacked and scooped up. And, and take it down to the district and then a few minutes later they, they hear the ambulances flying down the street and they know exactly where, you know, those ambulances are going. Um, one of the things that really, really touched me, you know, um, one of the first when we had one of the first demonstrations a few days ago and I posted a picture of this on my Facebook page, was that, you know, children um, in the community while all the adults were you know marching around little children were at um the, the the site where Freddie was initially attacked and 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 viciously beaten and thrown into the van um they were taking turns keeping the the lights and the candles you know on his memorial site lit and you know they were just guiding each other and telling each other, "Hey, be careful! Don't make sure make sure that your fingers don't get burned." And hey, get this candle over here. You know that 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 flame just went out. And to me, it was so prophetic of like the next generation and the children just keeping the flame. You know, and keeping the fire. Um, it was it was beautiful to me, and it really touched me. And I, you know, took a pitch couple of pictures, you know, of of the children, um, in the community. And like I was saying earlier, the fact that people had been able to walk down to these barricades, you know, in the community, and just let everything off their chest, everything that they've been holding, and everything that they've been wanting to say, you know, and just unloading, being able to take a breath, being able to cry, you know, and and just and 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 feeling that um you know we're very concerned for the uh community the block that's actually right in front of the western police district the first couple of days that we were there um the barricades just started at the um, sidewalks of the western district and then they moved um the barricades uh further out so the entire block Uh, because this is a residential area where this police district is, and we're in an urban community, so it's very different than Ferguson and other places. So this specific block um, in Sandtown, Winchester, is a police state. You know, people cannot go in and out of this section of the street without showing ID. You know, they're being told to stay in their homes. They're being told to keep their windows and their doors and everything shut and locked. And there was a woman who came, you know, yesterday, who's a postal worker, to get her her child at a daycare, and the police told her that they wouldn't let her through the barricade, and she had to go and retrieve her child out of an alley. Mm-mm-mm. You know, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, and our legal, you know, our legal team and everybody, you know, is aware of, you know, what is happening um, to to the people um, on this specific block. But, you know, my concern has always been for the people, and to make sure that you know there was you know legal people here in case you know somebody did get locked up, and that we do have you know on the ground street medics that can do things. In fact, uh one of our street medics yesterday, when a big confrontation and clash happened downtown, uh, we were so excited yesterday um that the spectators at the Orioles baseball game were forced to to stay inside. You know, that thousands of people who, who, who went to, um, the Oriole game, you know, were, were forced to, um, stay there. Um, Foxtrot, um, which is called the, 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 the chopper for, uh, the Baltimore City Police, uh, Foxtrot was, was flying overhead and eventually, you know, they told everybody to leave out of the area. That was the same area where the three police cruisers and the unmarked car were, smashed and different demonstrators were arrested. I logged in, I think about three different, um, people who were arrested down there. Um, some people for not, you know, doing anything destructive at all. They just happened to be in a crowd and they got pushed and, you know, cops went after them. I had a situation where, you know, the cops wanted me to move and, you know, somebody came and got in my face and I had to say, don't touch me. And he's like, I'm not going to touch you. And I'm like, don't touch me. I'm moving. Um, so, we had a situation with a street medic where somebody was pepper sprayed and our street medic got, uh, that person to safety and did a face wash. And uh, I was really proud that that was some of the stuff that, that was happening, um, in Baltimore. And these are the stories that you're not going to hear, you know, in the mainstream media. And, you know, this was all that, uh, one of, and that's one of the other narratives that, you know, if, if these, you know, protesters, you know, if all this kind of stuff is going to happen, then people need to be, you know, more responsible. And I'm like, you can't get any more responsible than that. You can't get any more responsible than to provide, you know, legal services, you know, for thousands, you know, of protesters and, and first aid and street medics. Can't get more responsible than that, Scotty. Well,
1: again, you know, um, I, I, I'm just really so proud of the people in, in baltimore and in throughout the nation the whole black lives matter movement people of all ages although we know the majority have been young people but there have been right. elders providing support and guidance as well and like you said it's a lot of great stories out there that we are not going to get from the mainstream media and again that it is why it is important that we be the media that we want to see because we have the technological tools to do that to where we right. don't have to rely on the mainstream media to tell our our stories and and so we do want to go ahead and take our first break. We're a couple of minutes over, um, our break. Do want to, uh, just give a quick hello to the listeners down in Greenville, South Carolina, who are listening to the program on W, uh, MXP, uh, the Malcolm X grassroots, uh, movement, public radio station down there. Shout out to, uh, Sister Ophia, uh, Wangaza. We're going to take a short break, uh, during this break. We are going to hear, uh, prison radio. Commentary. Check out prisonradio.org. They do a lot of great work in helping political prisoners get their uh, voices heard and out to the people. And so we do. And I'm happy to report we got a a new commentary uploaded by Momia. Uh momia did one today and it's called momia's message to the movement so y'all stay with us again if you want to comment before we go off air uh give us a call 704-951-5030 if you are dialed in to the conference line hit star six and the number one and we will bring you on air you're listening to political prisoner radio we broadcast every sunday night at nine o'clock p.m eastern time right here on the black talk radio network
0: Drop it! The the, the, rhythm, the Don't believe the hype. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
0: Dear brothers, sisters, comrades, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the love you have shown me and continue to show me from all around the world. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of people called, wrote, came out, protested, demonstrated. I did not know that many of you were there because I was not conscious for some of that time. I did not see you, I did not hear you, but I felt you in my heart, I felt you in my bones, I feel you now, and I thank you. I am not back to where I was before, but I will be, thanks to you, and thanks to the love you've radiated to me. I love you all, not just this word, I love you all, from the bottom of my heart, on a Long live John Africa, and we shall prevail. From Imprison Nation, this is your brother, Mumia Abu-Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio.
1: And welcome back to Political Prisoner Radio. And and again, I can't express this enough. Please support Prison Dot. Org. They are currently in, involved in a lawsuit in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, they passed a law, which we call it the Muzzle Mamiya Law, which is a unconstitutional, I mean blatantly unconstitutional law to silence prisoners. Uh, and so they are involved in, in that lawsuit along with, I think it's the Amistad uh, uh, Law Center and uh, uh, a couple of other groups is, as well. But so,
2: you mean the Abolitionist Law Center? I'm
1: sorry, yes, the Abolitionist Law Center. Thank you for, for correcting me. And it's good to hear uh, Brother Mumia's voice again and to see that, you know, uh, he is Well enough to do another, uh, commentary as he stated he isn't, you know, back to where he was, but he, he will get there. And so we want to stand in solidarity with that message that he will return to, to good health as good as can be on a prison plantation, you know, so. Right. um, I did
2: actually get an emergency message. Well, you know, one that everybody, you know, should know that, um, April 24th was his birthday. And I did get Mm -hmm. an emergency message saying that you know um, the state of Pennsylvania was not you know honoring um, the request for um, Lomia's needed health services. So I just wanted to put that out there. You know, um, Lomia is constantly you know struggling, and um, he does need. You know adequate medical attention and there's still you know a fund being put in place to make sure that he can have you know a private practitioner and right now the state is not honoring that let me so information was put out
1: yeah let me read this message um we have a facebook page where we try our best to stay on top of the information that's relayed to us and we post it there on Political Prisoner Radio's Facebook page so if you're on Facebook just type in that Facebook search engine Political Prisoner Radio And, um, if you, if you just scroll down the page, it's still on the front page, but if you scroll down the page, you will see a message that was shared from Momia Abu Jamal's, uh, page from prison radio. But I'm going to share it with you. It says, and this was issued Friday, uh, urgent, 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 condition critical, Friday report from prison, Momia gravely ill, Momia. Abu Jamal was seen today by his wife and his condition has worsened. He is gravely ill. We are asking everyone to call the prison right now. It may be late, but call whenever you get this. Momia needs 24-hour care and supervision. He cannot be in this condition in general population. In this state, he may not be able to ask for help. He may lose consciousness. He is too weak. He was released from the infirmary two days ago. His condition, he is—he has a extremely swollen in his neck. Uh, chest, legs, and his skin is worse than ever and open source. He was not in a wheelchair but can only take baby steps. He is very weak. He was nodding off during the visit. He was not able to eat. He was fed with a spoon. These are symptoms that could be associated with hyperglucose levels, diabetic shock, diabetic coma, and with kin- kidney stress and failure. Please call these numbers in any other numbers you have for the prison and the governor. And, um, though, again, please go to our Facebook page. It's a lot of numbers, and that information is there. Also, um, you can also, let me see, contact info at prisonradio.org. Info at prisonradio.org. And again, Momia also has his own Facebook page. Um, uh, I imagine the family and supporters are maintaining that for him. So yeah, lots of resources for you to get that, get the uh, information on that. Um, sis, do we hear last week we announced and I was really happy uh, about that, but we heard about, uh, 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 what is it? Chip Romaine Fitzgerald.
2: Yes, I actually was waiting to see if uh, Sister Jen would be able to make it on the show, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if she may be on the line trying to call in. Um, but something has happened with Chip, and I um, don't really want to go into it. Okay. I'd like her to um, share uh, with our listeners. Um, and this is, you know, this is a crisis situation that. Um, that, that we that I feel that that people and and supporters, especially you know out there in California, need to know mm-hmm. um what's happening with him because you know he's a he's old california um b p p cadre mm-hmm. and um it's important for people to know um what's happening um in his case because you know he's not he's not one of the most i mean people know chip's name but he's not one of the political prisoners that has you know a huge a huge huge campaign mm-hmm. um and and he's a, a, you know one of our uh longest held um political mm-hmm. prisoners mm-hmm. um you know chip has been down you know more than um 40 plus years
1: um now i do also have an update uh, that I got by email from, um, I got a Google alert out on Sundiata Coley uh, another m- former member of the Black Panther Party, Black Liberation Army was in the car with Asada Shakur. Uh, yeah, I think he was actually, uh, wounded, uh, during that assassination attempt, which they actually did kill, uh, one of the passengers, uh, one of the, one of their com- comrades. But, um, on his website, Sundiata, acoli.org that sundayada acoli.org uh he reposted i shouldn't say he of course he didn't do it himself but the people that's maintaining the website for him his supporters and and what not uh they shared an article um about albert wood fox possibly being freed without another retrial and of course we know albert wood fox is a member of the uh of the group known as angola three uh we just lost uh brother herman wallace what was that last year sis Mm-hmm. Yeah, we lost Brother Herman Wallace to cancer. He died, what, a day or so after they finally let him out? And um uh, Brother right, Rob... And
2: what was, uh, right, and what was really, like, sick and heinous about that is that, you know, uh, th- these men were factually, you know, innocent. Right. And even on his deathbed, Bobby Jindal and the state were still trying to keep him incarcerated. This man is dying of you know pancreatic cancer and they're that vicious that they would want him to die that behind vicious, walls
1: that racist and it doesn't right. matter to me again like i said a politician the only color i see is red white and blue you know what i'm saying yes bobby jendo is a non-white white person but uh he certainly is a tool of white supremacy but um the Albert Wil- Albert is the last remaining uh Angola 3 member who is still in prison imprisoned and he has been in solitary confinement for over 40 years something that uh the international community the UN has recognized as torture and on top of the solitary confinement they have been And I don't know if they still are, but have been subjecting him to to invasive body cavity searches, you know, sticking their fingers and probing his anus and and all that kind of sick garbage. And I mean, this man is in solitary confinement. The only reason and and he never leaves the presence of guards. So the only reason you would do that is to inflict more harm upon him. That's that's again, these, these are sick people they are very very sick so anyway uh albert wood fox's lawyers has asked for an unconditional writ granting his release without going to trial for a third time over the allegations that he killed prison guard Brent Miller in 1972 and i would add that Brent Miller's uh fiance i don't know if he was married to her is it his widow or his fiance but but uh whether it was his wife or his fiance she even does not believe that the Angola 3 members had had killed uh Brent Miller um now Wood Fox's murder conviction stemming from that have twice been overturned by the courts, okay um citing racism in the jury selection in the, in the second trial and um i i forgot what the issues were with the first first trial but twice at least twice they have overturned these murder convictions and, and yet you know they still the state of louisiana still wants to continue to prosecute them and like you mentioned most importantly is factually they're innocent you know, they don't have any evidence whatsoever. I think most of the, most their convictions were based on, uh, testimony. And that's one of the things the lawyers are arguing now is that, you know, those people that y'all used to get up there and lie on him to get them convicted, most of them are dead now. So, you know, again, but like you pointed out, sister, this just goes to show you how vindictive, you know, uh, uh, people are in this country.
2: Right, right, and you know most of these people that are you know correctional officers now, they probably weren't even born during that time. They mm-hmm. only going on off of what somebody else tells them.
1: They part of the gang. They they got their gang uh-huh. mentality, thugs, criminals. Right,
2: right. They got the, they got their um you know F O P you know C O you know <laughs> right like you said <laughs> gangs and and I mean speaking of that. You know, um, one of the other things here in Baltimore, um, this is a few videos and some pictures captured. And this is one of those other stories that you're not going to hear that there were, you know, street organizations, you know, involved in, in yesterday's protest. And they were actually, you know, calling, um, for, for truces, you know, Oh, yes,
1: please, another. please speak, speak yeah. on that. Cause I saw a photograph of mm-hmm. some bloods, some cribs. Mm-hmm. And some, I think they were Fruit of Islam, uh, FOI, uh, members yeah, there all was posing. Bloods,
2: Right. It was Bloods, Crips, uh, Black Guerrilla Family, uh, Nation of Islam, and, uh, maybe one or two other, um, street organizations.
1: And, and I yep. had mentioned on my, uh, weekly broadcast, Black Talk Radio News, which comes on at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, and i was just commenting on you know what i was seeing in baltimore and and i I had said i hope i hope that this is this is a rebellion where we will see not only uh unity in baltimore but across this nation in terms of gang violence that we will see a reduction on self-inflicted Violence. Even though I, I acknowledge it, and I want to make that clear that the state engineers the conditions that create the, the uh, the atmosphere right. for this violence through the poverty and bringing in the drugs and and all of it that. And so and, I was ju- and
2: five hundred years of racialized violence and term self hatred. Right. Right. You know.
1: Right. Um, it's
2: all all vestiges of you know white supremacy and oppression. Mm-hmm. So colonialism. You know, we got a few. Right, we've got a few individuals and groups down here that try to divert the message, you know, in that direction. And we always just do the best that we can, you know, to kind of shut them down. And I'm, I'm glad we kind of, you know, took some of the discussion in this direction because, you know, it was an organization that, you know, had really made a name for themselves many, you know, a couple decades ago, um, the Guardian Angels. Mm-hmm. had made a name for themselves and they put out a statement here in Baltimore, you know, totally supporting the police, totally trashing the movement. And, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, our listeners knew that, um, that happened here. That, um, if, if they see, you know, or perceive that organization to be, you know, something that's on behalf of the people, um, you know it really is you know a bunch of crap and and they function as auxiliary police officers, at least here in Baltimore they do
1: mm-hmm. um an- another thing uh, um that i I also want to address specifically with Freddie Gray's case. And I believe I shared this article on our Black Talk Radio Network Facebook page. I'm going to see if I can pull it up right quick, but you probably know this information. But the uh, lieutenant who initiated the chase of Freddie Gray uh, had actually been cited for violence in the past. And, and this one guy had actually gotten a court order against him. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, that that officer in particular, um, they didn't go into much about it, but it seemed like he may have been involved in some kind of a love triangle, Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, intimidating, you know, the other man and threatening, you know, the other man, Mm -hmm. and that person honestly, you know, won a restraining order. You know, so how do you, how do you get to be a police officer when you have a restraining order against you? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the biggest indicators in all the police brutality research that I've done. You know, one of the biggest indicators that a police officer, you know, will engage in, you know, harmful behaviors towards the public is the fact that, you know, they're engaged as in domestic violence as well because mm-hmm. they're domestic, they're a violent person. Regardless, You know, Mm -hmm. they're violent to, you know, people in their personal lives, and then that violence also spills out in the community. You know, we have five officers here in the state of Maryland that are locked up, you know, for killing, you know, their significant others, mates, the boyfriend, the new boyfriend, the ex-girlfriend, you know, their children, and we don't have any officers here, you know, locked up for killing people in the line of duty. It's all intimate partner violence. You know, um, that they're in jail for. Yeah. Now, there are some cops that are in jail for, you know, misconduct, selling drugs, running guns, all that kind of stuff, planting evidence on people. But, you know, when, when you go to jail for that kind of stuff versus flat out killing somebody in the street or, you know, you get in trouble for like killing animal, you know, that, that's ridiculous. But, you know, you have human beings, human life that's being taken and it's considered justified. That's sickening it really is sickening. So people go to jail for, you know, that, those nonviolent misdemeanor, you know, conduct stuff, but not going to jail for killing an innocent person in a line of duty. Because as far as I'm concerned, all these people across the nation killed in a, in a line of duty are all innocent because they never had their day in court, whatever the hell they was convicted oh, of.
1: Oh, man. Don't, and, I really,
2: don't. Right, <laughs> and I really don't care if any of them had a criminal background because, you know, that's what they always try to do. They try to victim blame and shame. And one of the things that they did here with Freddie Gray is that, you know, they tried to, you know, they they misspelled his name. So his last name is actually G-R-E-Y, not G-R-A-Y. So here we have this thing called Maryland Judiciary Case Search. So if you go and you look up, you know, G-R-A-Y, you're going to find a bunch of mess, you know. But if you look up G-R-E-Y, you ain't going to find nothing but a few traffic violations. And whatever citizen around the state. Around the state and around the country, don't got a few traffic violations, mm-hmm. you know. And and even beyond that, like I said, you know, why are these you know cops being able to play judge, jury, executioner, and traumatizing families, you know, taking away grandfathers and and uncles and and mothers? That's their role
1: in the system, as you well know. Right. Going back right. to the slave patrols to right. keep to keep non-white communities intimidated through terrorism. Alright, uh, right. And, and their job remains the same today, except for now, you know, instead of them, uh, selling off to Africa to kidnap people, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they just, uh, pluck them from communities like the ones in Baltimore. You know, just plaque them right up and put them into prison slavery, which is legal in this country under the 13th Amendment. Um From The Guardian, I do want to share this real quick. The Guardian said the... The Guardian,
2: they have had some wonderful coverage. So to all the listeners, you know, you want to know some of the stuff that's really happening in Baltimore. and You want to see some really great pictures and some great footage, you know, um definitely see The Guardian. mm
1: mm-hmm the Baltimore the, uh, um, excuse me Oliver Laughlin wrote this article is in the Guardian is titled Baltimore police officer who chased Freddie Gray had pattern of violence according to court filings the Baltimore police supervisor suspended over the death of Freddie Gray was accused of threatening to kill a man as part of an alleged pattern of intimidation and violence I mean ain't that what police do uh, that led sure. to a temporary restraining order Lieutenant Brian Rice was ordered to stay away from the man after a series of alleged confrontations including one-armed standoff that led to a 911 call and officers from two police departments spending 90 minutes diffusing the situation according to court filings. I am seeking protection immediately the man wrote to a court in Carroll County, Maryland in January 2013. He alleged Rice's behavior had caused him to have constant fear for my personal safety and a fear of imminent harm or death from brian rice uh the guardian is aware of the man's identity but is not naming him due to the nature of the allegations he declined to comment during the telephone conversation with the guardian rice in the baltimore police department did not respond to emails requesting comment so there you go. Pattern and practice, people. Pat That's 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 a new phrase that I grabbed from Eric Holder from their report on Ferguson. Pattern and practice. And we see patterns and practice of racism, police, terrorism all across this nation. Oh, and, and another point of fact, uh, uh you mentioned about police uh and, and domestic violence. It is a Fact. It is a fact that they have twice the national average in the rates of domestic violence against their partners. That's a fact, people. That's a fact. Um, One last thing. We got about what? uh, About four minutes left in the broadcast. Um, I found uh, old. Well, it's not really old. It's from January, and I clipped. I I just
2: wanted to say one thing. Sure. Um, My only concern with anything that happened last night um during the, the damages and things like that is that one person did get injured. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um I, I just wanted to make, you know, clear to, to people that um you know, if you're gonna damage something, you know, that's on you. But you know, it was an innocent worker at, at a seven eleven um that got hurt and that to me that was the only thing that I felt wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um so I just wanted to put that out there.
1: Well stated. Um I came across this interview, this, this guy, this black man who for whatever reason seems to be a, I guess we can call him the clan whisperer. And for some reason he get these clan people to open up to him and they even give him memorabilia. And he gave an interview in January to, um, Don Lemon and I think Mark Poltak was also on there, but I just clipped it. It's pretty short, but this pertains to Baltimore. Just listen to this guy. So, but but listen, why do they give you these souvenirs and you have them? Let's see. Uh, because they, uh, they no longer have use for them. Uh, this is, is the robe of, uh, of one, of of a former grand dragon for the state of Maryland. Mm -hmm. You know, green is the, uh, color of, uh, of the grand dragon level. And this guy, he went to prison. For conspiring to bomb a synagogue. Quickly, Darrell, I don't have a lot of time. In Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. And then later went to, went to prison for, for uh, conspiring to, to kill two uh, black men with a shotgun. His day job was a Baltimore City police officer. Mm. Bam. There you go. Look like y'all got a Klan uh, 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 presence going on up there in Baltimore.
2: We do. We do. Um, we know that many um you know uh communities know that you know the white police especially in baltimore and this is a really really huge issue for um folks here that deal with that concept of you know the the bad apples policing idea you know um so they're concerned um you know take another direction to where you know they're more focused on a lot of the white Racists that are not from Baltimore, they don't live in Baltimore, and I was told that there was a man who was beaten and arrested um, last night um, in the Sandtown-Winchester community by a police officer that came in from Carroll County. So not well, and even beyond that, you know, I, I we were told that um, that called in all three thousand members of the Baltimore City Police Department. So. 3,000 Baltimore City police officers were out on the street last night. They also called cops in from Baltimore County, Charles County, and State troopers. So, you know, they did all of that for what was estimated to be 4,000 protesters. So there was a cop for every protester that was in the street. Mm. Um, That's how heavy the presence was. And then last night in the Western District, you know, they were rolling you know three layers deep and and riot gear um shoving um protesters uh back behind some of the streets around the district
1: Mm -mm -mm. well the struggle continues and um i just want to express my solidarity and uh whatever support i can offer from here the north carolina to the uh people um part of the resistance in baltimore well sis you know how to get in touch with me um
2: yeah, I just wanted to put out there to the listeners that um, we are trying to uh, very quickly um, institute some, some infrastructure and look in at um, how we can move forward. We do know that according to the uh, Maryland State Law and Law Enforcement Officers' Bill of Rights, these six officers that were suspended were technically, you know, um, could have kept their mouth shut for 10 days. And they obviously requested an extension. Um, they've been putting out in the media that next Friday, may first um, that the city will make its formal presentation of their findings mm-hmm. um just like you know any and everywhere else across the country, we know that we have to have a contingency plan for what potentially could pop off here um as we think um that they will say, you know, oh, sorry, it was an accident. None of us honestly put our hands on him, so you can't really say that we supposedly or allegedly brutalized him because you don't have any information, even though, you know, Bats himself admitted to what's called a nickel rod or a rough rod. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a that's very clear... That he was injured. So we all, we all feel like, you know, they're just going to claim accident and try to quickly settle he out of
1: court without any indictment. In
2: yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, we have a contingency planned ours and there are other demonstrations that are planned for next Saturday. So if people, you know, are interested in showing their solidarity, you know, they could come work with us. We'll put out information. We're definitely looking for more legal observers. We're looking for street medics. Uh, we're looking for, um, you know, individuals that can offer, you know, if they can't come. Uh, we already have a community bail fund that we started yesterday. Um, you know, we're looking for, you know, assistance with getting, you know, supplies and medical supplies, water. Uh, we need a few canopies to to create, you know, stations. Um, so it's a lot of work that's taking place, you know, behind the scenes. Um and, and, you know, we'll put it all out as, uh, soon
1: as we can. Well, please, please, you know, and I know you have been working on, I mentioned it to you before, cause I do the daily program, Black Talk Radio, um news. I mean, I would love to hook up with an individual part of the media team that could at least call in once a day and give us a, a field report even if it's just 5 minutes mm-hmm. 10 minutes you know give us a field report right. so the people that listen to our network which is a global network you know can get the information from from the right sources okay right. let's put it that right. way oh uh, before because
2: right, we- there are a lot of people that are coming in to this community and mm-hmm. and it was this is one of the things that's really angered me there are a lot of people coming into this community and acting as you know they're acting like parasites and opportunistic groups i've seen you know i saw one religious group being led by you know some you know white man they had a bullhorn and they were singing hymnals and clapping and and screaming through this neighborhood and i'm like i felt like that was so disrespectful you know and that's that's some of the stuff that I'm seeing like happening over here mm-hmm. that, I mean, I even had somebody ask me if there was going to be a convergent site where activists and organizers can meet. And I'm like, absolutely not. You know, I'm not going to have, you know, a bunch of hipsters, you know, invading this community because they think they're cool. Um, no, it, it's not happening. <laughs> not at all. Um, so we are noticing, you know, some of these patterns and behaviors that have happened in other cities and uh we're we're making sure that you know that's not happening here mm-hmm.
1: before we close it out, we do want to recognize uh political prisoner uh birthdays that's coming up this week. uh there's only oh one. Scotty,
2: one more thing. I forgot to say. We had Ann on before to talk about issues uh with uh Seth Hayes yes, um, and there is now a full blown campaign for Seth Hayes, and um you know we can share that on our Facebook page, And so we want everybody to know um uh, what we need them to do. Um, for Seth Hayes's medical campaign.
1: Okay, you'll post that to Palooka Prison yeah. Radio? Okay, great. Yeah,
2: he, I think you got an email. You should have got an email about
1: it. I'll, I'll check. Um, okay. let, um before we close out we do we always um well we started recognizing the uh, birthdays of political prisoners and this week Monday April 27th is the birthday of Brandon Baxter he's the only one with a birthday this week Brandon is a uh, part of the political prisoners known as the Cleveland 5 the Cleveland 5 and you can um you can let me say, I think they have a website um it, yeah, just google that 's how I found their website i don't have it in front of me right now, but uh just Google Cleveland Five or you can also google uh his name again, his name is uh Brandon. Baxter and they are the victims of what we have uh, seen throughout the war on terror where you have FBI informants uh setting people up you know for terrorism charges and and you know so read more about that case I don't know a whole lot about it other than you know they were five activists that were arrested in Cleveland, Ohio and uh, were facing multiple charges for conspiring and attempting to destroy the Brexville-Northfield high-level bridge on May Day to protest corporate rule. All right, so get more information uh, by looking up his name or looking up the Cleveland Five. Sis, you have any final comments as we wrap up today tonight's broadcast?
2: Oh, like I said, you know, in the beginning of the show, um, you know, I love my city, I love my people. I'm so proud, and I feel, you know, so, you know, inspired, you know, by the community fighting back here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's long, long overdue.
1: It's long overdue for all of us, sis. You know, mm-hmm. it's long overdue. As long, I mean, hundreds a year of genocide and terrorism. It's long overdue. um, Again, uh you've been listening to Political Prisoner Radio. You can check out all our I- archives or find out where you can uh get our podcasts. Of course, we're on Black Talk Radio Network. You'll see um our profile page link right there on the front page. You can also visit our blog politicalprisonerradio.blogspot.com and our Facebook page is political prisoner radio and again it is very important that that we not only remember the sacrifices and contributions of those who have who have struggled against the very same things that we're struggling against today um but they have paid the ultimate price for the struggle and that is they have lost their freedom you know uh, many have lost their lives but for those uh who are still alive um, they are suffering terribly uh, on these prison plantations under uh, torturous conditions and that is why we did, did this program is because there is not a lot of information out there about political prisoners I only became aware of their existence about three or four years ago and so I, you know and I like to think I'm a well read informed person so you know if I didn't know about it I figured that a whole lot more people don't know about these political prisoners and I reached out the sister Marpessa, who brought in sister amijo and thus political prisoner radio was born so uh please support our political prisoners because they indeed have given all for us all right so with that peace and blessings to all recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines in a war zone and conduct yourselves accordingly until next week